0: convincing story that maps onto reality and that's why the central narrative is falling apart right now in the United States
1: people should not be walking around with must
0: see the central narrative for the fiction that it is you are American
2: while elections are sometimes messy this was a secure election
0: The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance and it's up to us to finish the job I tell you what we are in a truth emergency right now
2: this is the end game.
0: Monday, May 23rd, 2022, the 488th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started, I want to remind you, as always, about the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and his great American manufacturing company, MyPillow. You can go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code REASONABLE and get up to 60% off items all across the MyPillow store. You can also get a free gift, Mike Lindell's autobiography, with your purchase. So if you want to make your feet more comfortable, you get the slippers. You want to make your bed more comfortable, there's a mattress pad, my pillows, the Giza Dream Sheets, and you can make your after-shower experience all the more luxurious with a set of towels from My Pillow, you will be supporting this show. You'll be supporting the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and you'll be supporting a great American manufacturing company employing great Americans. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code REASONABLE. Also, I talked a bit on here last week and on Telegram about ways to support this show and support what I'm doing so that I can continue to do it. Because it turns out that getting rich in the podcast game while also talking about things that get you censored everywhere is not a strategy to long-term personal wealth, at least for now. So there are a bunch of links in every episode description showing where you can support the podcast. You can go to the merch site, you can go to Ko-Fi, there's a crypto wallet, and there's also the link to the Substack. Now, I'm going to start posting the podcast on the Substack, and I think that that will be a more effective and maybe more permanent way to keep the podcast up. We'll see if Substack begins censoring. But for now, that seems like a good place for me to put it, and it's also a great place that people can support the work if you... Subscribe on Substack. You will know when new podcasts go up. You'll know when new writing goes up. And I'll try to begin doing some things over there for members. And just a heads up, I'm considering making it so that the podcast will come out first for paid members of Substack and then later for people who are not paying members of the Substack. And if you are a longtime listener, And can't afford to subscribe to another thing. I will do what I can to make sure that you can still get the show because I really don't want to scale back on any of this. But if I am not able to afford living my life doing just this stuff, well, then I would have to scale back the show. Don't want to do that. So if you can support, please do. It ends up being about a quarter per podcast if you sign up for $5 a month, and if everyone who was listening to the podcast every day did that, then I become able to double down on everything I'm doing and produce more work. And that's my goal. Sorry for the long introduction and all of that boring stuff. Now, let's get into it. So this week in Europe, We are being shown a grand display of the life global communists have intended for us to live. The World Economic Forum started in Davos yesterday. The World Health Organization is meeting in Geneva. They're going through the new rules where all the countries are going to cede their sovereignty to the rule by an international body. That just declares pandemics and tells countries what they have to do in response to the pandemic that the WHO declares. So if they declare monkeypox, for instance, a pandemic, then they're allowed to tell all the countries how they have to respond and they expect a countrywide response in accordance with their demands, which is a version of what we saw in 2020 but not the full version. And I just want to remind everybody, consider this in the good twin, evil twin paradigm, right? The United States did not have one singular response to COVID. We had the Democrat communist states like California and New York and Washington and Illinois and Michigan embracing full lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, the whole thing. They destroyed people's businesses and they relied on the federal government passing covid relief packages so that they could continue filling the government coffers in each one of these states while the businesses in those states were being decimated. On the flip side, you had Republican governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida and Christy Nome in South Dakota holding the line and saying, no, we're not going to lock our citizens down. We're not going to destroy all of the businesses in our state. We're not going to force people to wear masks that do nothing so that we can all pretend we're solving the virus together. We're not going to force you to take vaccines. There were two different responses, even within the same country. And that is at least partly a factor Of Donald Trump being president, he wasn't going to try to impose some top down federal system that everyone had to follow, even though the media and people like Anthony Fauci and the Democrat communists around the country were all clamoring for exactly that. We need a national response. Donald Trump isn't doing enough. He's not making Republican governors get in line. They all wanted to implement the commands of the world order. And they wanted to do that even without the treaty in place. It was like we were just going to voluntarily give our sovereignty over to the international bodies because that's their plan. It's not a conspiracy theory that they want a one world global government. That's the plan. They tell us the plan over and over and over again. And I posted on truth social today. I think it's a good reminder for people. You know, I was, uh, actually trying to find Klaus Schwab's book, The Great Narrative, on Apple Books, and it was not there. But COVID-19, The Great Reset is there. So I took a screenshot and I posted that on Truth Social. It is right there in color, COVID-19, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. That is a nice thing to pair on social media with the videos that everyone is seeing of Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum talking about how the rest of the world is going to fall in line with the future they've prepared for us. Here's Klaus Schwab.
3: Let's also be clear.
0: The future is not just happening.
3: The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions Are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda.
0: So the future is not just happening. The future is something that they will build. And you wouldn't be wrong to think that that sounds blasphemous. Klaus Schwab believes that the collection of the world's most powerful and influential people that he has put together are literally themselves creating the future for everyone else. As if the World Economic Forum just vanished, the future would stop. Time would just stand still until people like them came back to help everyone else And recall that Yuval Noah Harari is basically the technocratic prophet of transhumanism and global communism, basically Klaus Schwab's philosophy guy. Well, he thinks that we are going to intelligently design ourselves. We are going to make ourselves into gods. And of course, he does not mean all of us. He means the richest and most powerful people who will be given access to that technology. Not that everyone else would want it in the first place, but they do want it, okay? They do want to upload their consciousness. They do want to imagine themselves as immortal. Yuval Noah Harari has referred to everyone else as ultimately useless people. He thinks that robotics and AI will do most of the labor work in the future and probably most of the other work as well on their timeline, which would make most of the population useless people. And those are his words, useless people. And now they talk about how they're going to house and pay for these useless people and how they'll get them to basically only live The life set out before them by the World Economic Forum, which is a 12 by 12 box in an apartment building with 4000 other people and you'll have permanent entertainment, right? Your screens will always be on. You'll have Netflix, whatever streaming service. You'll have the metaverse and you will entertain yourself in your little box until you die. And that is a temporary thing. Eventually, only The workers who are actually needed to support the robotic economy will even live that life. We just won't need everyone else. And with their medical advancements like vaccines and with total human tracking, which is something they are trying to do, you've all Noah Harari admits that that tracking will be underneath their skin. What they're really after is a slow motion culling of humanity across the planet. And I know you think that sounds extreme, but they did a monkeypox tabletop war game exercise released last fall that I shared on Friday, where they plan on this new monkeypox killing 270 million people. And you got to wonder where they got that number. But then you got to think about how one of the side effects of the COVID vaccine is shingles, which looks exactly like monkeypox. And that, of course, is not to mention the incredible heart damage, the myocarditis, the potential for sterilization, the birth defects and spontaneous miscarriages we're seeing, the increases in cancer and everything else while they are still pushing vaccines. In fact, they are trying to push vaccines for five-year-olds. So what else could it be? We should call it what it is. It is a culling because they do not think of us as autonomous beings with our own agency, our own purpose, our own values, our own desires. We are just part of a herd. We exist in aggregation, in statistical models. They tear down the sovereignty of nations and then they tear down the sovereignty of the individual. They do not want sovereign nations. They do not want sovereign individuals, which is why they plan on tracking everything, why they want to introduce social credit scores, why they want to introduce environmental scores, why they want a central bank digital currency, why they want everyone on public transportation and electric vehicles, why they want everyone in and near cities, but in the smallest possible places within those cities. These things are planned and they share their plans with you. And they are sharing these plans with the entire world and streaming it out to the entire world. My friend, Josh Lacash made a funny joke on uh, Telegram today. Well, I guess he made it on Twitter, but then he brought it to Telegram. That's Josh of the Wrong Opinion podcast. I think he's actually recording with Alex Jones today. So that'll be amazing. But he made a joke about how these secret meetings are not secret anymore. And that's kind of hilarious because the things they say should only be said in secret. Like the people actually knowing about that stuff is not having the effect they intended. Right. They used to only be observed by people exactly like them. No one else was going to take interest in their little global cabal meetings. But now people are watching them like hawks. They shout their plans from the mountaintops. But consider this. We know that the world is extraordinarily chaotic right now. People are having a really, really hard time. Almost all of us have had our lives affected in really significant ways in the last two years, to the point where it triggered an awakening by so many of us to. What's really happening in the world? That's how much people have been impacted. And we know what's going on. And we can see the two competing visions of what's going on right now. The one on display in Europe is the World Economic Forum, all the wealthy and powerful deciding everything. We got the WHO seizing sovereignty from entire nations. And then we have this war in Ukraine. That's being waged by the global communists trying to protect their own interests in one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And they're doing so aligned with actual Nazis. They're protecting Defense Department funded bio labs that were doing gain of function research, dual use research of concern on deadly pathogens. That is what they are doing there. It's on full display, okay? Volodymyr Zelensky, the comedic actor, addressed the World Economic Forum on this massive movie screen. Just his face and all the little World Economic Forum minions watching him. It was straight out of any dystopian future movie you could ever watch, like V for Vendetta. Some ridiculous little puppet up there on the screen reading the script of an organization whose plan is nothing less than complete and total global domination and the end of human freedom. Again, I know that sounds like hyperbole, but look at the thing. Okay. That's all you have to do. Strip everything away. Look at the thing. Why are they trying to track you? Why do they want your medical information? Why do they want you vaccinated? They don't care about your life at all. They're not trying to save your life. Nothing they have done throughout the entire duration of the COVID period, let's call it, has saved anyone's lives. Not the masking, not the lockdowns, and certainly not the vaccination. Meanwhile, they stopped people from getting treatments. They don't care about your lives. They want to track you. They want you to conform and comply with everything the society demands, or they will punish you. They will make you suffer. They will not let you go places you want to go. They will not let you spend money on things you want to spend money on. You will live where they allow you to live. You will get as much money, as much food, as much anything else as they decide, and you'll have no choice. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That's something they have said. And to do this, they want the involvement of the entire global community each and every one of those countries haven't given up their own sovereignty, their ability to decide what's best for their country outside of the world community. That is total global domination. It is the end of human freedom. It is nothing less. And it actually doesn't matter at all if you don't personally feel it yet or if you think that. Yes, we're headed in that direction. But, you know, we're not there like it's going along a timeline. Yeah, I agree it's going along a timeline, but we continue to cede more power to these people. Meanwhile, in this country, we have an actual slave trade at the southern border. We can't get baby formula on shelves and the fake administration flies in seventy eight thousand pounds. It's going to last nine thousand babies a week or something ridiculous, maybe I'm off on those numbers, go look them up yourself, it doesn't matter, the whole thing is irrelevant, it's a photo op, to make the fake administration look like they're doing something, and of course that failed as well, because everything they do fails, but look at these things in contrast, they are happening at the same time, right, you look at one side in Europe, you see the globalist experiment imploding upon itself, on a world stage. And here you see the globalist experiment imploding, but we're being told that all that stuff is actually really good for the country. They are destroying the country with these policies, but we are told it's really good. And so we should give the sovereignty over to them and they will fix everything for us. So we are also told by our media, whose fault is all of this bad stuff, right? It's not their fault. It's not their fault. All this stuff is actually good. If we would just get on board, the problem is that we are resisting too much. It's Donald Trump, Donald Trump's supporters, and the way that they are able to make everything so terrible and chaotic, because of course it's all our our fault. The way we do that is by spreading disinformation. And that's the end of the story, right? Trump Trump supporters and disinformation. That is their explanation for all of the things that are going wrong in the world right now. So we can consider that the globalist hypothesis. That is the globalist theory of the case. Why everything is so chaotic. Everything is bad. The world is falling apart. Mothers can't find baby formula. We've got two and a half million illegal immigrants coming into our country. A full scale invasion. Inflation is out of control. I mean, Putin's price hike. All of this stuff is the fault of Trump, Trump supporters, and disinformation. But maybe let's test out another hypothesis, okay? And that hypothesis is that it's not, in fact, our fault, these things that are happening in the world. It is the fault of the people at the World Economic Forum, the people involved in the farcical war in Ukraine who are simultaneously admitting defeat and feigning ultimate strength. Like this was a valid, worthy cause that we supported and we've gotten all these positive results. Well, I mean that's not true. And the people involved in our global health government. And it turns out that all those groups of people are the same. Okay. They're all involved in all of this. And most of them are directly connected to the World Economic Forum. Go down their list of partners, then read their code of conduct. Everyone must fall in line with the agenda and they must not speak out against the agenda. And then they get all the benefits, all the money, all the power. Klaus Schwab mentioned it's very important that they collaborate. They must work together. But the thing is, they're doing it for the betterment of everyone else. They're doing it with the community in mind, the community. And of course, because they're benefiting the community on such a broad scale, it's profitable. They're doing so much good in the world that it's okay They're getting really well paid for it. It's kind of funny. Last week, some of the uh, communists in Congress were. Showing little signs, little uh, poster board displays, and they were giving speeches about how bad the oil companies are. They're price gouging. That's what's happening right now. The uh, Putin's price hike is actually the oil company's fault, and they're reaping all the benefits. It's strange that they didn't put one of those little boards up with the pharma billions, how much money they've made in the past two years. But I digress. So hypothesis two is that it's the World Economic Forum, the global organizations, the transnational corporations, the military industrial complex, all of these people who are intimately linked in these global organizations. Are all these problems their fault? Well, let's test our hypothesis. Are these problems direct results of the very agenda that they are announcing constantly to the world? Yes, in every single case, you can find the support within their agenda for all of the exact policies that are causing these problems, each and every single one. On the other side, we are told it's Trump, Trump supporters, and disinformation. So, those are our two hypotheses which one explains all the problems? Is it Trump, Trump supporters and disinformation with some cloudy, hazy connection to the decision-making power and the implementation power to have caused all these problems? Well, how does that happen? Someone explain to me how Trump or Trumpism or disinformation or individual citizens could have caused problems on this scale. I would love that explanation. On the other hand, Just look at the exact agenda they describe. You will see each and every element of that playing out in the world and contributing directly to these problems. In fact, they're also funding all of the organizations that are implementing this agenda, and you can track that too. So is that a conspiracy theory? Well, it is a conspiracy theory. And you can form all the theories about it you like, but the responsibility exists in the same place it always does. The conspiracy is right in front of you. And because we've been convinced that conspiracies so broad are impossible, right? It's impossible to organize them. And then it's impossible for them to keep it a secret. Well, you can see the organization. You can track the entirety of the organization, It's just really complicated and really big. And the truth is that they don't keep it a secret. And that's what everybody has to recognize, okay? The most basic details, the smallest details of all these plans are available in public for you to read. We talked about the tabletop exercise, the war game with monkeypox. Well, they did the same thing with COVID at Johns Hopkins University Center for Health Security. In 2017, they released a document called Spar's Pandemic 2025 to 2028. It describes the response to COVID in detail. None of this stuff should surprise anyone. It's all written down. All you have to do is observe it. And no one was okay. And everybody was locked into the central narrative and the central narrative doesn't talk about it, which for many people, if you're addicted to the central narrative means that the thing itself does not exist. And so weigh these two hypotheses in the balance, right? Everything is explained by global organizations who write the plans to do all the things that are provably causing the problem, or it's Donald Trump, Trump supporters, and disinformation. Which one has the explanatory value for what is actually happening right now? Okay, the idea that somehow Trump, Trump supporters, and disinformation could have caused all of this, that's a conspiracy theory. In fact, it's worse than a conspiracy theory. It's just bigotry. You are just assigning a group of people that you are determining, right, what fits that group of people. And then you're ascribing guilt for all the world's ills to that group. that you have selected and you have labeled, even though you cannot discern or explain a single way that they have contributed directly to the implementation of the agenda that leads directly to all of these problems, to all of these outcomes, to all these negative consequences that we've dealt with, which one has full explanatory value and which one is just utter bigotry. Trump and his supporters are the bad people. Therefore, they're to blame for everything bad. Now, while that's going on, Joe Biden is in Asia pretending to be president, and he was in a press conference this morning and said this
1: very quickly. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that?
4: Yes. You are. That's a commitment we made.
0: So the fake president has now committed to responding militarily if China moves on Taiwan. And this is not the first time that Joe Biden has said that and then had to walk it back. Here is CNN on cleanup duty today.
2: Several administration officials were apparently caught off guard by the president's comments, uh, and it's also important to note, though, this is not the first time. Twice before, President Biden has suggested that the U.S. would intervene militarily, and again, we've gotten those same statements from those instances as well, where administration officials trying to insist that the U.S.'s policy hasn't changed.
0: And this is Fox News from October thirtieth, twenty twenty-one. Biden's vow to protect Taiwan walked back by white house could signal internal policy debate experts say President Biden's statement last week later walked back by the white house that the US would protect Taiwan in the case of an attack by Beijing could be a window into an ongoing policy debate about the Biden administration's strategy in the region experts told Fox News China Russia and the rest of the world knows we have the most powerful military in the history of the world don't worry about whether we're going to They're going to be more powerful, Biden said in the CNN town hall. And this is when he was shuffling around stage and barely coherent to answer questions. What you do have to worry about is whether or not they're going to engage in activities that will put them in a position where they may make a serious mistake. Further pushed about whether the United States would defend Taiwan from a Chinese attack, Biden added, yes, yes, we have a commitment to do that. The remark quickly made headlines as the U.S. policy for decades has been one of strategic ambiguity toward how it would respond to such an attack. The 1979 Taiwan Relations Act commits the U.S. to support Taiwan, including providing it defensive capabilities, but not necessarily to engage in a military conflict. Beijing, meanwhile, views Taiwan as a breakaway province and claims that it is part of its own territory. The two countries split in 1949, and China has been increasing pressure on the self-ruled nation while opposing its involvement in international organizations. The U.S. does not formally recognize Taiwan, but maintains an unofficial alliance. There have been calls for the U.S. to move away from strategic ambiguity and instead move toward a policy of strategic clarity in the face of increasing aggression from Beijing, which has seen the communist regime send dozens of military aircraft toward Taiwan. After Biden's remarks, the White House soon clarified the comment and said the president was not abandoning strategic ambiguity. A White House spokesperson told Fox News after the town hall that Biden, quote, was not announcing any change in our policy and there is no change in our policy. The U S defense relationship with Taiwan is guided by the Taiwan relations act. The spokesperson said, we will uphold our commitment under the act. We will continue to support Taiwan's self-defense and we will continue to oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo. And so the fake administration has had to reiterate that series of comments three times now based on Joe Biden's gaffes. And it's worth recalling how the fake president was communicating about Ukraine before that whole thing started. At one point, he admitted that Russia may have a small incursion into Ukraine and they wouldn't do anything about that. And their sanctions, oh, those sanctions, they were going to stop the Russians. And then over the last few months, we've seen that the U.S. is doing nothing other than protecting the interests of criminally corrupt global communists tried to hide all the evidence of the work being done in Defense Department funded biolabs in Ukraine, and they've aligned themselves with Ukrainian Nazis. And you can see that we are quickly building into a repetition of the same playbook regarding China and Taiwan. Now, we've been talking about China and Taiwan for a couple of years now. Most of the people addicted to the central narrative in the mainstream audience, the child brains who still have no idea what's going on anywhere in the world at any time or what any of it could possibly mean to their own lives, they are just figuring out that this is an issue right now. They're just hearing about China and Taiwan for the first time or maybe the second or third time. Maybe they're aware of all Biden's gaffes prior to today's. So they've heard of China and Taiwan having an issue three times. Now, try to put yourself in their minds as they're observing this. All right. This is a new crisis mounting in the world and one that Joe Biden is going to get out in front of. But of course, none of that is remotely true. This is an issue that has been mounting for a long time. They're about to begin scraping the surface of knowledge many of us acquired two years ago. And this is what I mean when I'm talking about the time machine, right? Being able to just observe reality and cut out the central narrative, that's like being in a time machine in the future, while the child brains are a year and a half behind the present day narrative. And it's the same phenomenon. That we observed when Peter McCullough and Robert Malone went on Joe Rogan's podcast at the end of last year. Those guys were saying that stuff for a year and a half. Everybody in our community was saying all that stuff for a year and a half. And Joe Rogan and his audience, who sit, you know, around the edges of the central narrative, a lot of them were just hearing all of that for the first time. They were trapped in the past for a year and a half relative to all that information. And that information is critically important in their ability to make decisions and guide their lives. But they were deprived of it for a year and a half. They took the vaccines, they wore the masks, they embraced the lockdowns, all while those things destroyed the world and destroyed them as individuals. They accepted it all because they were addicted to the central narrative and the central narrative didn't incorporate any of that information for a year and a half. That is a disaster for those people. I would love to pull them back into the present. And that is what all of us are trying to do as we do our own small part to push forward the great awakening. We are trying to bring those people into the proper timeline, but we're about to get fact-checked By people who just started reading about Taiwan today. They'll be clueless about the history of the past year and a half or any history before that, obviously. And then, rather than embracing the pieces of the narrative inside the larger narrative, they're going to see each one of those pieces as distinct and separate and then try to disprove or pull into doubt each and every one of those pieces so that the broad narrative will never actually make sense or be accepted by anyone on their side. They'll hear this story about Joe Biden's gaffe and they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, Joe Biden makes gaffes. And I thought you said you didn't like China. So you should be happy that we're going to go attack them over Taiwan. You know, things that stupid people say. And they'll have very trendy arguments on Twitter about the minutiae of these separate and supposedly unrelated events rather than focusing on the fact that, hey, look what the global communists are doing now and look how the fake president is reacting to it. Look what the fake president is telling all of us about what he plans to involve this country in. And of course, they still will not get it, but you should and you should understand that Joe Biden's comments today are part of a much larger thing. It's not new. We didn't just discover it. And check out this sneak attack segue. We are now being told by the Fox News types and the Newsmax types that the Clinton campaign's role in the Russia collusion hoax is just finally being proven. Robbie Mook, her campaign manager, testified in the Michael Sussman trial last week that Hillary Clinton was aware of the false nature of the Russian Alpha Bank claims, the claim that the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank had an Internet back channel through which Russia and Trump were colluding to steal the 2016 election. That was made up the entire time that was generated by the Clinton campaign. The FBI and CIA were aware that it was false. Clinton was aware that it was false. And Clinton decided to spread that story to news organizations anyway, while knowing it was false. That was her order. That is what Robbie Mook testified to on Friday. So the response by the right of center mainstream media, still entirely part of the central narrative is to take this very tough stance against Democrat Communist Party corruption, against the corruption of the Clintons. All these media figures are coming out to be the brave warriors we've always needed. Oh, save us, Sean Hannity. Save us, Grant Stinchfield. And here he goes, saving us.
2: After following this Durham trial of Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, Here's what's clear to me. The next trial needs to be of Hillary Clinton. She needs to be prosecuted. The bombshell testimony this week from her campaign aide that she approved pushing this bogus Russian collusion story that fake steel dossier to reporters. Her approval of that means It did go all the way to the top, just as I had warned for so many years. So many of us have been warning this. So now Hillary Clinton needs to be put on trial. James Comey, the former FBI director, needs to be put on trial. How about John Brennan as well, the director of the CIA at the time, needs to be put on trial. These are the mopes responsible for an attempted coup in the United States. That's the trial that I want to see happen. John Durham, go after them with a vengeance.
0: Oh, you dragon slayer, you Grant Stinchfield. Now, listen, Grant Stinchfield might be an awfully nice guy. I don't know. But where has he been for the last almost 19 months about the theft of the 2020 election? Where is he following election fraud? What has Newsmax been doing this whole time? What has Fox News been doing this whole time? Oh, they're very, very tough when it comes to the Clintons. They'll talk about it whenever there is something that the national news can't avoid, like the other day. And because what they're saying about the Clintons and the fact that Hillary and Comey and Brennan and all of them should be prosecuted, all of that's true, right? So if you say it forcefully, all of us are going to agree and be like, yeah, he's fighting for us. Well, where was he for election fraud? We're going to start seeing this all over the place. The media is going to start saying, oh, yeah, these things were kind of known, but, you know, it just wasn't really enough to go on. Now we have the Clinton campaign actually admitting to this stuff. Well, if you followed the information over the past six years, you'd know that there's been more than enough to go on the entire time. Has it been hidden from us by the media? Yes. Yes. But these people on Fox and on Newsmax are part of that hiding. All right. These are not the people revealing truth to us. These are the people framing the truth for us once they have to engage with it at all. And they're doing so on behalf of the maintenance of the central narrative. Now, I'm not calling Grant Stinchfield a commie or a traitor or anything. Although failing to use your platform to cover election fraud is one of the best first signs that maybe that's true. But what we are about to see is a big part of the right of center conservative media sphere become very vocal MAGA supporters on a whole range of issues. And eventually they are going to pretend that they were on board the entire time regarding the 2020 election. Oh, their hands were tied. Oh, they just didn't have quite enough proof. I listened to Megan Kelly's podcast with Dinesh D'Souza, and they were talking about 2000 mules, of course. And Megan Kelly took on the role of uh, objective interlocutor, like she was just going to Question the facts in 2000 mules and ask Dinesh D'Souza to support himself against criticisms that were made by various media figures from the left and the right. And the idea was that he would answer each of these criticisms and ultimately strengthen his case. And that's fine. That is one way to go about that. They both agreed it would be very, very silly to look at the machines. Oh, that part's a conspiracy theory. They always throw in a little bit of fiction with the fact. And that's the thing that's really a problem. Let's focus only on mail-in ballots and drop boxes, not the machines. And yes, I can see your movie, but your movie alone, that's not That's not proof that the election was stolen. That's not proof that Donald Trump won. We just have to focus on the facts that we know. We are continually led to believe that we should not accept the truth of something if anyone else can suggest potential criticisms. So we watched 2,000 Mules and. We think about Dinesh D'Souza and we think about Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht and you could ask them or you could just watch the movie and see them say it. You could say, hey, was the election stolen? Do you believe there is overwhelming evidence of fraud? And they would say yes. And that would be placed with the same weight as some random friend of ours watching 2000 mules and saying, oh, well, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I saw this one clip. They say it's the same person in two of these clips, but I can't tell for sure. I don't really know. Or it's totally possible that that person was just dropping off ballots for their family member. And so that person, their only evidence of election fraud being 2000 mules, that's the only thing they have ever looked at. That makes the case that there was overwhelming election fraud and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just not convinced. I think if that was a real thing, it would have already been taken by taken care of by now. I would have known it. The media would have told me Well, no. And also the idea that a person viewing 2000 mules has the same knowledge about the election fraud evidence in 2000 mules as the people who observed the evidence and made the movie that's utterly insane. Okay. The goal is not to cast doubt on little pieces of the movie and then say the movie wasn't true and therefore election fraud's not true. That's insane. But instead, we're convinced that that is a totally reasonable position. That position has almost no information behind it. But let's say, let's say that the strength of the facts on both sides was somehow equal. There were a bunch of reasons to suggest that election fraud happened, but none of them actually constituted proof. Now, that is ridiculous. That's not what's happening in the real world. But let's say that their picture of all this, the one that Megyn Kelly presents, the one that Fox hosts and Newsmax hosts present, the one that Dennis Prager and Larry Elder actually spoke of in 2000 Mules let's say that the facts are just objective. They're just down the middle. There's some on each side. We do not need fact guys. We do not need to say, oh, okay, well, there's, I guess some, some facts on both sides or some claims on both sides. So we should leave this in doubt. No, what that does is move the conversation into this strange dimension where all we focus on is that false dichotomy, which side are more facts on. That's probably the right one. But since there are facts on both sides, we really can't say that one is right and one is wrong. And we're just going to proceed forward from there until maybe, you know, someday more facts come along. That is not the right dimension for decision-making. Okay. Whether or not the election in 2020 was stolen, is one of the most important facts in the entire world right now. And it should be treated that way, not as something that is potentially in doubt. So we're better off ignoring it until somebody comes along and starts arresting people or winning court cases, or CNN finally tells us, yeah, the election was stolen. That mode of thinking forces us to make critical decisions on absolutely preposterous metrics. Okay. Here's the thing about 2000 mules. If you know anything about election fraud, if you have followed it for the last year and a half plus, you will know that everything in that movie supports the truth of the situation. It's not an accident that ballot mules were showing up at the offices of Democrat NGOs and then heading out to a series of drop boxes where they filmed themselves putting multiple ballots into these drop boxes. The video evidence in 2000 mules is not the cumulative video evidence. Oh, she's just wearing gloves because it's cold outside. Oh, really? Well, then why did she take those plastic gloves that I'm sure were warming her hands and throw them away immediately after she dropped the, the ballots into the drop box. You know, you can pick around the edges of every little bit of minutiae in everything and try to cast doubt on it. And if you do that enough times, you can say you're casting doubt on the whole thing. But none of the claims out there, none of the critiques of 2000 mules have done anything To dispute the underlying claims that there are organizations running ballot trafficking operations. The mules exist. They were tracked. The technology can do what they say it can do. And they were watching it the entire time. That is the truth. Putting little elements of that into doubt for mainstream audiences does not dispute whether or not 2000 mules hammers that case home. And of course it does. The facts are the facts. At some point, everybody should actually take account for how critical the issue at hand is and stop pretending that it is a responsible position to try to remain objective. That is not a responsible position and it's not a moral position and it's not a justifiable position. All it is, is a rationalization for doing all only what the corporation allows you to do. And that's the position all of these media figures are in. So do not let them fool you now that they are somehow gung ho on your side. Oh, they all hate Hillary. So cute. You could probably even get Mitt Romney to say that, you know, six years later, now that it's completely out there in public, maybe Mitt will come down on the right side. And just like the election fraud thing, people like Megyn Kelly and Sean Hannity and Grant Stinchfield mostly ignored the fact that a soft coup was launched against the United States six years ago. And they just said, oh, well, you know, I guess it's it's kind of just on the back burner for now. And then you've got the people like the Mike Cernoviches of the world, all of the very edgy people in the center, the people still on Twitter making the very intellectual argument about how Trump wasn't wrong about all of these things. But, you know, he's still he's still weak and he's just not the right guy. He's not that smart. He's too divisive. They say all those things and recognize the fact That there was a slow-moving coup happening during his first election, throughout his presidency, and then during his second election. They don't believe election fraud is proven. They think that Trump was ineffectual. He couldn't get the job done. He didn't do the right things when it counted. He walked away. He allowed the election to be stolen. No, dummies. That's not what happened if you know that Trump was being subverted the entire time by a coup that was being waged by the Democrat communists, the entire Democrat communist power structure, the Obama side and the Clinton side, it was being waged by all of the rhinos undermining him, including people that were able to infiltrate his actual administration, whether he planned to expose those people or he just made bad decisions. I'm open to both. It was being waged by the media and by big tech and by Hollywood and by the universities and by our foreign adversaries and by the intel communities. All of them were attacking Donald Trump full time for the last now seven years, actually, since Trump came down the escalator. And in the face of all those attacks, which Donald Trump was actually calling out the entire time and people were attacking him for calling them out. In the face of all of that, Donald Trump created an unbelievable economy, slowed immigration down, kept us out of foreign wars, and thwarted the globalist plans and agenda left and right. And somehow he's not strong enough. He's not smart enough. He's not able to properly plan things. He just gave up. That makes absolutely no sense. So why have all of them been repeating these slogans for so long? Well, it's because they wagered on what the outcome would be. They found themselves a nice, comfortable position that would get a little bit of intellectual respect from both sides. And then they could just keep themselves in the comfortable middle. Ooh, I, I criticize both sides. That's because I'm extra smart. I'm just like above the fray criticizing both sides. And I'm always right because I stake out a position that makes both sides a little mad and because they're always a little mad, but also kind of support the things I'm saying. Well, they'll give me the benefit of the doubt every time I'm wrong. And then since they all believe they are leading their audience, well, then their audience isn't going to find out any earlier than they do. So how are they ever going to punish them? It's not brand new news that Hillary Clinton approved of the dissemination of the false narrative about Russian collusion. That's not new news. It's not new news that there's obvious and overwhelming proof of election fraud. These people just simply ignored it. And they did that for personal benefit. And you might think that sounds like an insult, but the only other alternative is they're too dumb to have figured it out. But in either case, what in the world are you doing informing your perspective on the basis of what these people tell you? And let's stick on the subject of 2000 mules and specifically Greg Phillips. On Friday, he was responding to a post on truth social and he wrote first two dominoes have fallen in AZ in Arizona raids on NGOs, Homes to confiscate computers, etc., from the boss. Much more to come. And someone replied, This better be real. And Phillips replied to that post and said, It is 100% real. Two early arrests pled and rolled over on the bosses. Game is on. So, unless Greg Phillips is uninformed or misinformed or lying, arrests. For election fraud, for the election fraud organizations, for the ballot trafficking operations have begun in Arizona. And it goes right up to the top to the bosses. And we know these organizations are Democrat aligned NGOs who partook in the Mark Zuckerberg funding and his manipulation of the election, which goes right to Obama's former campaign manager, David Pluff, who runs the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And you could keep going up to Obama himself and the global communists who control Obama. So all of the people who thought nothing was going to come from any of this and that there was no plan to thwart election fraud in the future or to deal with the stolen election from 2020. What now? Honestly, what now? They are making arrests in Arizona. I was listening to Patrick Gunnels do a reading of an article by a guy that goes by Richard the Saint or St. Richie, real smart guy, great researcher. And he mentions in this article that Greg Phillips didn't just come out of nowhere. Greg Phillips was actually the guy who's. Information and claims about election fraud in the 2016 election caught Trump's attention and led to Trump tweeting about millions of illegal votes in the 2016 election. You might remember Trump claimed that not only did he win the Electoral College, he actually won the popular vote as well. And people just always think Trump is just mouthing off, making stuff up, trying to make himself look good. That's just not true. If you actually listen to Trump, he tells you the way things are and he lets it be. And then over time, you find out, oh, yeah, Trump was telling us exactly what was happening. And also in that same piece, he links to this interview from 2017. This is Chris Cuomo questioning Greg Phillips.
1: But one of the key tweets that we have 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 stuck with all along is, we're going to release all of this to the public. We're going to release our methodology. We're going to release the raw data. We're going to release our conclusions. We're going to release everything to the public. When? Um, as soon as we get done with the checks.
4: But why would I believe your conclusion if you won't show me your method and means and analysis? Whether you believe it or not doesn't mean that it's not true.
1: Whether you have the information or not doesn't mean that I don't have the information. Right, but if truth you can't prove it, but if you are not it, right? Right.
4: right. Uh, Ronald Reagan, trust but verify you're not allowing the second part of that equation because you haven't put out the information and you're doing it to the disadvantage of a lot of Americans who want to know the answer to this.
1: There's three million people's um, uh, own veracity on whether or not they're citizens in the balance here. We're not going to make a mistake. But that's we're going to do you. this. We're doing it. But you already accused them. Look, I'm not a politician. I'm just a guy. We're volunteers, But
4: that's an excuse. That's a convenience. You put it out there, got picked up by all these righty sites, made its way to the president. He's now putting it forth as truth. You've got to show what you know. We will. But when? When the time's right. What does that mean, when the time is right? The time is right right now. That's why we're here. I just bump into you in the hallway. You came here to talk about this.
1: Look at it this way. The technology exists for the federal government right now, Mm -hmm. today, to match this data out and give us the answer, right? I don't know The Department of Homeland Security has the information. They can match it against the voter file, and they can give us this answer. I don't know that. So why won't they?
4: I don't know that anything you're saying is true. I don't know that they know who every non-citizen is who voted illegally in the United States. They will as soon as they make the match. And as soon as Attorney
1: General Sessions orders that be done and. Well, hold on. And, so are you and, saying
4: you're waiting for somebody else to do something so they'll know the answer? Because I'm not waiting on the government just to tell me. I'm saying it's easier for them. For us, it's tedious. But what I'm saying is, look, either you know or you don't. What I'm hearing from you is you think you'll be able to show it. No, what you're hearing is that, that I know
1: you just don't believe that I know.
4: Well, Why would I believe it if you don't show how you know it? Come on, I mean, this is a, this is a very silly circle that we're going in sure. here right now. You say you can prove it. I say, okay, sure. I trust you. You can prove it. Show me. You we say will. I will, but you're not. You, will. Can you give me an estimated date?
1: We, we believe that, that it, it will probably
4: take another few months to get this done. And yet, even though you need a few more months to get it done, you think you know the answer right now. We're volunteers. We know we have the answer. Even though you can't prove it, you think, you know, the number's actually bigger. Well, whatever. You can say the number is whatever it is. You have to show it.
0: So that's 2017. They had already tracked the 2016 election. You remember Donald Trump talked extensively about election fraud in 2018 and then again in 2020. He has stood by his claims and the claims of Greg Phillips throughout that entire time. And Greg Phillips is being proven Correct. By his own work in the 2000 Mules documentary and everything else he's been working on. And he has also responded to what St. Richie has suggested in this piece that Phillips and Engelbrecht and others have been doing this work since well before the 2016 election. And if you're not aware of any of that, this should. Increase your faith in a proper outcome as far as the election fraud stuff goes. Arrests have started to be made. They have known about the election fraud for a long time, which means they were paying attention the entire time. Donald Trump put measures in place with executive orders to combat these exact things. Remember, executive order 13848 about foreign interference in American elections. All these things are going to come into play. This has the logic and structure of a sting operation. And now you have even more evidence to indicate that that's exactly what was happening. And so Patel Patriot kept digging on that work from St. Richie and found this archived article by Greg Phillips from early 2017. And he starts off with a tweet of his own from the 13th of November 2016. He said, On November 13th, 2016, we have verified more than 3 million votes cast by non-citizens. We are joining true the vote to initiate legal action. And he begins the article discussing that tweet. I recently became internet famous for a tweet after having been identified as the source for a similar tweet by president elect Trump. Twitter blew up. I found myself wondering if I was really a Russian or Israeli spy. Did I really murder people in an armed robbery gone bad? Could I possibly be the man, or in my case, the toddler on the grassy knoll? Thousands of trolls, bots, and haters beat those drums, accusing me of all manner of atrocity. Several went so far as to say they would kill me if I released the numbers. At first, I thought I had cut deep into a long-standing narrative that voter fraud doesn't exist and non-citizens don't vote. I quickly realized I had cut all the way to the bone of these myths. I believe that what happened with that analysis and that tweet was simply this, the narrative that election fraud doesn't exist changed. The new narrative is how big is the problem? In my opinion, and based on my methodology, more than 3 million non-citizens voted. I've seen numbers from election experts and academic studies ranging from 800,000 to 6 million. One is too many, but these numbers are shockingly large. The question is now a matter of degree. How big is the problem? Why don't we know? In 2009, a group of volunteer election integrity researchers formed by True the Vote began the tedious process of building a process of gathering and updating voter registration records, augmenting them with voting records and geocoded addresses. The database now contains in excess of 180 million up-to-date records. In an amazing effort, best described as brute force, thousands of True the Vote citizen volunteers analyzed records that resulted in thousands of duplicate records and registrations of dead people being removed from the rolls. In addition, True the Vote volunteers identified thousands of instances where individuals voted more than once. AutoGov, a technology company I founded, partnered with True the Vote in 2013. The result of this partnership is a technology solution to analyze the nation's voter registration records to quickly and easily verify identity, residency, non-citizens, citizenship, age, duplicates, dead, and felon status in real time. Comparing these registrations to voting records has produced results so troubling, I decided now was the time to speak out. In one study done in 2015, with more than 20,000 federal voter registrations, 42% of the registrations were so flawed, they could not be recommended for inclusion in the voter rolls. 42%. Stunning. Few times in American history has a single election brought so much attention to our broken election system. One says the system is rigged and fraud is prevalent. The other side challenges the actual counting of votes in multiple states, demanding expensive recounts. Election integrity purists and analysts say non-citizens are voting in the millions, while the establishment on both sides dismisses the whole thing. Social media is ablaze with name-calling and hate. We find ourselves in a place where taking a stand results in accusations and death threats. Without question, the time has come to find a trusted solution for the future of American elections. Eligible citizens don't vote for two primary reasons. They don't like the candidates and they don't trust the election system. If we were concerned with non-voting citizens, we would research the reasons people don't vote and seek to remedy those factors. We suspect that voters and non-voters alike simply do not trust the election system to produce an accurate tabulation of the votes of eligible voters. There is an incongruence between the concerns that people don't participate and the denials that fraud exists. The American people are not stupid. They know something is wrong and therefore don't trust the election system. Staying home by the millions. It's uncommon to consider there are three things that one can do with his or her vote. Vote for, vote against, or don't vote at all. Millions of legal voters not trusting the system just stay home. In a recent video, True the Vote founder and election integrity expert Catherine Engelbrecht described how fraud has become institutionalized. Flaws in our election systems have eroded the public trust. We are forced to accept a federal court order that allows non-citizens to register to vote, yet prevents anyone from verifying citizenship. Some states require IDs to vote. Some states give IDs to anyone, including non-citizens. The solution is really very simple. Our opinion is we must fix the registration process, keep the voter rolls clean, and secure the process of voting. The registration system is broken. There are too many processes performed by disparate entities, politics and partisanship rule a system that creates a lack of trust to consider. We don't verify identity, residency, age, citizenship, and felon status is silly in an age when we can buy a car on the internet simply by placing our thumb on the home button to place a secure order clean up the rolls. lock the front door to prevent illegal votes by verifying identity, residency, citizenship, age, and felon status. The technology exists to do this in real time. The process should be further secured by digital assignment of a secure hash to link an ID specifically designed for voting to a specific ballot. The ID could be linked to the social security system and secured through biometric verification. And the article goes on, But the point here is Greg Phillips himself, one of the two main people in true, the vote has been doing this for a long time and getting these results for a long time. And he's been working with Catherine Engelbrecht for a long time. Both of them know to an expert level, what is wrong with the election system? 2000 mules is a visual and narrative display of what the facts really are. That is what the election system is. It doesn't matter if you can find little quibbles with the movie. The evidence behind that movie is what's important. Those facts exist. They're real. The system is shown. The system is real. The system is criminal. That criminal system is funded by the people who benefit from it. And they are the same people. Once you go high enough, That are responsible for all of the other stuff that they are simply waving their hand at. They're just brushing it off their shoulder. This is no big deal because we have fact guys out there who can say, you got this fact wrong. You got that fact wrong because I have two facts I have now called into doubt. Your whole theory is now in doubt. And since your whole theory is now in doubt, that means we don't have to look at it anymore. At least not until the television tells us that there's something going on again. We could just forget about it. It's only the election of an American president and everyone else in public office. What difference could that make, right? Until they prove it beyond any doubt anywhere, or until the television says it's true, well, we just can't believe it. It's a conspiracy theory. Until then, Donald Trump is weak and stupid and crazy and angry and an authoritarian dictator. His supporters are uneducated, racist, homophobes. They're members of a cult of personality. And all they do is influence the world through spreading disinformation. If they would just go away or, you know what, even better, if we could just all eliminate them, everything would be just fine because they're the source of, of all the problems and not all those people that are setting up massive systems to create exactly what we're seeing now. You know, those people who are all gathered in Europe right now, telling the entire world that this is exactly what they do. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work.